0: HD Smartcast. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT
1: Smartcast.
0: Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Hi, Samrat. Hi. This is Samrat Chaudhary, who's written the Braided River. A Journey Along the Brahmaputra. So, Samrat,
1: this is a fantastic book, yeah? Thank you very much. Thanks for having me uh, on this program.
0: Yeah, I found, you know, I was reading this, like, last couple of days. And, like I was saying, it is not just the journey along the Brahmaputra, but, you know, also, and its tributaries, you know. I didn't know it was, like, such a varied sort of river, firstly. But you also done a lot of uh, supplementary complementary research which really comes out in the book so how long
1: did it take you this to write this? oh well that's a tough question because basically <clears throat> we started uh, travelling we meaning Akshay and I my friend uh, who travelled mm. with me, the photographer Akshay Mahajan and I we made our first trip I think sometime in 2015 okay. and and, uh, you know, so basically that's when, so it wasn't one long journey, it was actually separate journeys and uh, and then pieced together at the end into the book. And it was mm-hmm. over a long period of time and the, the uh, process of actually sort of just traveling itself took a, you know, it, it was spread out like because I was working in Bombay mm-hmm. and uh, I couldn't really take. I was editing the Asian Age Bombay edition. I couldn't take mm. off for more than a month at a time, and mm. so then, so then we did it in bits. So overall, I think uh, it's taken from start to finish. You can say it's taken about at least six years, mm. five five mm. years, five years. It's now out in the sixth year. So five years of work. Okay,
0: okay. So should I just read the uh, flap so you know, like the listeners can understand what the book is about? Yeah. The Brahmaputra is by some margin the largest river in India. After its confluence with the Ganga and Bangladesh, it becomes the largest in Asia. In the braided river, journalist Samrat Chaudhary sets out to follow its braided course from the edge of Tibet where it enters India down to where it meets the Ganga at a spot marked by the biggest red-light district in Bangladesh. Woven with the tales of his varied encounters is the history of the border between India and China in Arunachal Pradesh, the formation of the Assamese identity, a matter of great contemporary relevance owing to the National Register of Citizens and the Citizenship Amendment Act and the ecological challenges posed by proposed dams. This is a genre-bending genre, bre- genre bending book that touches upon several hot-button issues as it blends travel, memoir and history with the present. So, so uh, that kind of puts it succinctly I'd like to know, you know, you mentioned that you went for a conference uh, uh, where Sanjay Hazarika kind of um, asked you to do a book on the Brahmaputra, but no, in, no, in, the,
1: in the prologue, that's what you said, right? No, no, Sanjay had sent me an invitation for, uh, for a conference he was organizing uh, yeah. at, at Jamia, and uh, hmm. so I just landed up for that conference, even though I was not presenting anything or speaking or anything, I just went there to attend. And hmm. uh, on my own money, I just sort of felt like going and went. What and was the conference was it? about? It was about Northeast India. Okay. And okay. Uh, it had good speakers and, uh, you know, I was interested. So I went. And then hmm. it was basically a tea break when uh, Preeti Gill, who hmm. used to be a publisher and had just turned agent at that point, uh, okay. you know, we ended up sort of, sharing a table at tea time. And she said, you know, I'm looking for somebody to do a book uh, on the Brahmaputra. Would you be interested? And so (laughs) so that was it. So I thought about it and then I said yes and got cracking. Mm. I went, no, I didn't quit my job at that point. I used to sort of take leave, I save up my leave as much as possible and go off on Mm. one long chutti every year and Mm. uh, spend that that, uh, holiday time traveling. And uh, so basically, I would do my travel while I was there and Mm. and, uh, try and get my notes in order, my field notes. Mm. And then after coming back, I try to find time to write. But of course, with my job, it was very difficult. So actually, most of the research happened, you know, in these little trips. But most of the writing happened only after I quit my job, uh, which was at the uh, end of 2016 so basically I, I left bombay in 2017 march and then i moved back to shillong and then i sat there and started really writing the book hmm okay okay so
0: you also grew up in shillong right
1: yeah basically so that's in, where i was born and brought up
0: okay so that's why this perhaps the northeast is of so uh, so much interest perhaps is that
1: okay. yeah 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 it's i mean it's been a a part of an important part of life and I've always been interested in the region because even though I was born and grew up there I didn't really know very much about the place and so it's mm-hmm. basically been been a process of discovering the places around me you know what, what the places I sort of knew vaguely but didn't know well and uh, mm-hmm. uh, so this fit right in actually this, this work on the book fit right into what I was already interested in and wanted to do.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what was the most difficult part about this book, really? You
1: know? Well, uh, I guess every bit of it was difficult in its own way. Uh, finding time for it was a challenge and traveling mm-hmm. costs money. And I was at the other end of the country in Bombay and to get from Bombay all the way up to the far end of Arunachal, the Tibet border, it took some doing but that was the fun part also i mean that that's what made it interesting and made it fun and so adventures misadventures that that's what made it fun and uh, yeah. uh, of course having a good friend along sort of uh, uh, you know lightened the load of that journey otherwise it might have felt like uh, you know uh, very sort of scary or very intense or whatever but this we we could sort of uh, lighten the the tensions of of the journey at various points by just sort of, Mm. you know, chatting and Mm. having a light banter.
0: Yes, that comes across. I mean, when you're talking about uh, Akshay, (laughs) why is it that we haven't, like, you've mentioned it also, how we look so in India, we're constantly, like, fascinated by the Ganga. Mm. But the Brahmaputra has been largely ignored, except lately. I mean, I think even a couple of years ago, there was another book uh, on the Brahmaputra, and now there's yours. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's this, right in the beginning, there's this chapter, you know, it had looked to my untrained eyes like the Brahmaputra existed only in Assam, though it is often identified as the Brahmaputra, the sangpo or Siang is, as far as I could tell from the map, only the longest tributary of that river, apart, not the whole. Beyond Assam, in uh, Bangladesh, the Brahmaputra flows on until its confluence with the Ganga. But there is the matter of that inexplicable name and sex change. You know, these are things that uh, the average Indian doesn't even think about. You know what I mean? About, about. I mean, you know, there's a Brahmaputra, but you're not obsessed with it. Or most people are not obsessed with it. And then here comes this book. So that's what I fo- found fascinating about it. It's always been there, but it's yeah. sort of unexplored. So talk about that.
1: Well, I guess... The uh, idea of India in the geographical sense is actually very interesting. There's this concept of the heartland, which mm. is essentially the Hindi-speaking heartland. And it is actually yes. a very, very old concept. You mm. can, you can you find the word Bharat, for example, being used all the time. And the word yes. Bharat mm. is now used in a certain way. But mm. of course, it's there in, in uh, our national anthem. And yes. uh, it's there in our constitution as well. Uh, hmm. So it's been there, it's been around. And of course, it's been there way back in history as well. Hmm. But but the thing is that that geographical concept of Bharat yes. hmm. did not include what is now Northeast India. The geographical yes. concept of Bharat, first of hmm. all, it, it's shifted over time. It's expanded hmm. over time. But hmm. uh, if you look into the Dharma Shastras of Hinduism, which is where this comes from, this word and this concept. It mm. actually, uh, it, it did not go south of the Vindhyas in the original sense. It, yes. uh, it did not go east of Prayag. Mm. The exact location is uh, not certain, but it says Kalakvan. And uh, mm. that is associated with, with somewhere around Prayag. So basically, Mm. and in the West, it was where the Saraswati disappeared into the desert. So we don't Mm. know where that is, but perhaps somewhere in Sindh or somewhere in Rajasthan. Mm. So so the thing is that uh, Northeast India, in any case, including the Brahmaputra and the Brahmaputra Valley, were Mm. later additions to the concept of Bharat and of India. It only comes into India in the colonial period. Before that, Mm. it was independent. And mm. after that, it fell to the Burmese. So it was actually part of Burma for a few years, part of the mm. Burmese empire. And the British mm. won a war with the Burmese and that's how it became a part of British India. So mm. this happened in 1826. So basically, if you're looking at the, the average Indian's concept of, of, uh, you know, of Bharat, Hindustan or India, Mm. three different concepts and three different names mm. all of them for the longest time actually have not had that idea of northeast india being a part of it and okay. uh, and so you'll have people who are very uh, sort of clued into the ganga mm. who will have great uh, you know, notions about the mythical saraswati which mm. no longer exists Hmm. but who will have very little concept about the Brahmaputra, which is the biggest river on the Indian subcontinent. Hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. You know, uh, Also, you know, I found this uh, where you see there, there are many ways of seeing. I wanted to see like someone who is a mix of both outsider and insider. So talk about that. I think you succeeded in that, but you know, like unpack
1: that for us. So the Concept of identity and belonging is a very fraught notion in Northeast India, and especially mm. in Assam, and especially for a Bengali in Assam. Yes. And, uh, there is a long history of uh, conflict, sometimes violent, between Bengalis and Assamese in Assam. Mm. And uh, so it's a difficult sort of uh, space, because mm. I am a Bengali, ethnically. Yes. I am from that part of the world. So I am both an insider and an outsider at the same time. I'm not a local in, in Assam. I'm from Shillong. So, so I'm not right from there. So I am in, in, you know, in many ways an outsider. But on the other hand, I'm not a foreigner. I'm not, I'm, I'm not somebody who's come from very far away. I know about the place. I've grown up there. I've read up about the place. I know a lot of people there. They're my friends, family. So, you know, so it's like you're an outsider and an insider at the same time. And therefore, that way of seeing becomes different. It's a way of seeing where, you know, you you see things that, that the outsider may miss, but you mm. don't see the place exactly as an insider might. It's somewhere in between. It's somewhere, it's standing on the threshold.
0: Mm. Mm. And you go back to this even in, you know, I think when you're talking about the dams, Uh, where you say um, uh, the unhelpfulness of a corrupt and opaque bureaucracy whose face in these parts was the man from the plains of mainland India, the Bengali or Bihari Babu. I don't think anybody who's not Bengali would have been able to, you know, kind of like place this, you
1: know. Well, we've had this thing in the Northeast for a long time. And... uh... Mm. Uh, it's there, I guess there are different versions of it in different places, you know, the, the mm. nativist sentiment. Different, yes. uh, some, somewhere it's one on a scale of 10, somewhere it's 10 on a scale of 10, but it's there everywhere across mm. India. And uh, so uh, it's, it's there and over there because his, for historical, various historical reasons, the administration and business were dominated by people from certain communities. So those mm. <laughs> communities came to be identified as, uh, you know, as uh, with, with uh, you know with with the bureaucracy or with the business and also with the ills of the bureaucracies and the business. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, and also your book made me think about, um, you know, when you're talking about the uh, the McMahon line and you know the the borders um, and also you know the understanding of the course of the river, you know. So it makes me think. It made me think about imperialism and about um, you know also the ravages of modernization. But also it made me think about how you know when like when you talk about steam, the steam steamer trade, and you know how busy it once used to be and all that. You know, and many things that that you know it takes you back to the idea that you know really nothing is permanent, right? So I mean at the end of the book like though I've not read the whole thing but I've been like dipping in and out uh, you know I was thinking that it also brought me to an understanding that you know things that one thinks are like so urgent right now I mean in the long view sometimes you know it kind of disappears.
1: so talk about that. One thing I learned from the river the
0: mm-hmm.
1: river the river taught me that human attempts to, have clear lines, clear mm. borders, permanent demarcations
0: mm.
1: are futile. The river mm. teaches you about flow. It's always flowing and it's always changing. They say you can't step into the same river twice. And I believe mm. that that is absolutely true. Because mm. there's there's always a sense of change, you know, and it's, it's yeah. there. It's visible in the landscape. It's mm. visible in... The water eating away the land. It's visible in the new river island which is being formed. It is mm. there. This this lack of exactness which we try to impose on the world because the world doesn't. You know the, what's the name? You know what is the Siang? What is the Brahmaputra? And what is the Jamuna? How is it that the you know same river has three different names in three different places? Well. Mm. Uh, it's because of people. People call it by different names. It's not It's not like anything changes when you move from Assam on this you know this side of the border into Bangladesh, that side of the border. It's the same river. Hmm. So, so so basically it's uh, you know it, 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 to me it's basically a lot of fluidity and hmm. change is the essence of the river. That, that that is basically what I've learned from from this journey along the river, and uh, uh, I forgot what you asked me.
0: i was <laughs> <laughs> talking about how you know everything changes. You know exactly what I mean. That's what I got from the book is that you know we think that these things like
1: I mean all those guys who plied those steamers it was yeah, it was yeah, yeah. important to them.
0: No.
1: Yeah. So so it's it's. It's changed. Everything, basically. I mean, that's the thing, right? Everything is changing all the time. Everything is fluid all the time. And it's the human geography. It's the economy. It's the whole place. Everything about it is changing. I mean, when I look, when I look closely at how, uh, for example, tea cultivation started, tea plantations, you can't, Mm. today we can't think of Assam without tea. Yes. For all its entire history until the british started those plantations which mm. was which was uh, after 1826 yes assam didn't have tea plantations right mm. we can't think about uh our we have certain idea of, of india and how it's yeah. one unit but we mm. also have to think about india without northeast india if we are talking about the period before 1826 and Mm. a steamer journey at that before the the steamer only came in uh, well after 1826. Uh, Mm. So at that time when the first first missionaries, the first American Baptist missionaries made the journey from Calcutta to Assam, Mm. uh, it took them almost four months because they had to take a country boat and the country boat would go down the Hooghly through the Sundarbans, up the Jamuna, up the Brahmaputra, all the way up to Sodhya, which is where they Mm. went. Mm. So so that journey took almost four months by country vote. So Mm. so now when you think of, you know, getting on a plane and going somewhere in one hour, (laughs) you have to remember that the same journey used to take four months once upon a time. And and that's like 200 years ago. So in Mm. the historical scale, it's not really a lot.
0: Yes, yes. That's Samrat Chaudhary, author of The Braided River, A Journey Along the Brahmaputra. This was a Hindustan Times production, brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.